0: Are you expecting a baby this year? Congratulations. It's likely you've chosen your care provider, thought about your baby registry, begun planning the nursery, maybe even hired a doula or registered for a childbirth class. But have you given much thought to your postpartum time? Everyone wants to hold the baby, but who is holding the one who birthed the baby? Do you know about the massive hormonal shifts that occur in the hours, days, weeks, and months after your baby is born as your body adjusts from your pregnancy? What about nourishment? Have you thought about how you'll be feeding yourself after baby arrives? Everyone tells you to eat healthy, but what is healthy eating in the postpartum period? What does that mean? Maybe you're nervous about how you'll navigate your changing relationships after baby arrives with your partner, your family, your friends. How do you plan to communicate your boundaries surrounding visitors, unsolicited advice, personal space, helpers? Who are your helpers going to be? Postpartum has and always will be the work of my heart. It's the reason that I came into working with expectant and new parents and I am so thrilled to let you all be the first to know about my signature postpartum preparation webinar that I am launching this year, Preparing for a Smooth Postpartum. This offering, which can be taken anywhere in the world, is a virtual class that solely focuses on how to care for the newborn parents. We'll cover the golden hour, the hormones of postpartum, Physical healing, emotional healing, nourishment, movement, relationships, community, visitors, boundaries, and more. I'll take you on a journey through the first year, what to expect, and how to best care for yourself during this time. Preparing for your birth, but not your postpartum, is kind of like planning a wedding without giving much thought to the marriage itself. People do it, but it's not advised. Not many resources exist for preparing for postpartum though. So my intention for this class is to help fill in that gap. Our first live webinar will take place on Tuesday, February 21st at 7.30 PM. And I am offering a special introductory price of $25 for this class only. That is 50% off. The next time this webinar will take place is in April, so don't wait to jump on this offer. There's no point in pregnancy that is too early to begin thinking about how to have a beautiful fourth trimester. This class can be a wonderful gift for someone who you know that is expecting. And what I love about teaching in the webinar format is that geography and availability is not a barrier to getting the information you need, like it can be with an in-person class. All class participants who attend the live webinar will receive two hours of virtual instruction via Zoom, a recording from our session, and a little time for a Q&A with me afterwards. You'll also receive a file with all handouts and class materials, along with our signature postpartum resource list. So if this sounds good to you, go ahead, sign up for the live webinar at the link in our show notes to take advantage of our special introductory price of $25. That's 50% off. I hope you'll join me for my first signature live webinar preparing for a smooth postpartum on February 21st at 7.30. Now, back to our episode. Welcome to Our Village Circle a podcast centered around authentic sharing, honest storytelling, and elevating the voices of parents and professionals alike to demystify the realities of new parenthood. We understand on a visceral level that with the joy of your new human also comes every other emotion under the sun. We want you to feel seen, heard, known, and held in this life-altering stage. We wholeheartedly believe that everyone's story has something powerful to offer others as they navigate their own journey. Hello, welcome back. I'm your host, Jaylee Turner, and today we are continuing our story from last week with Lauren Bacon-Smith and her doula, Casey Runk. In this part two of our two-episode series, Lauren and Casey continue to share her labor and her birth story. If you haven't yet listened to part one, go ahead, pause this, go back to our previous episode and take a listen. Where we left off, Lauren had begun having contractions at home and they were increasing in intensity quite quickly. Lindsay, Lauren's partner, had just called Casey to come and join them at their home. It was really, really cool to hear the same story from two different perspectives at the same time. This is the first time we've ever been able to do this on our podcast, and I can't wait for you to hear the rest of this story. We'll begin in just a moment after this brief word from our sponsor. Are you trying to conceive? Or maybe you're over hormonal birth control, but don't want to get pregnant. I want to tell you about the Ava bracelet, which I have been using to track my fertility for the past five years. And let me tell you, it has been a game changer. It has opened up a whole world of learning about my reproductive health that I never received in health class. Did you know that folks with a healthy menstrual cycle are on average fertile for six days per cycle? I didn't, until I began using the AVA bracelet. If you've ever used a method of natural family planning, either to become pregnant or avoid becoming pregnant, you are probably familiar with some of the methods of tracking your fertility. Of course, some of these come easier than others, but there are also flaws in some of those methods, such as LH testing, which only detect one or two fertile days in each cycle. Or taking your basal body temperature, which has to be taken at the same time every day to give an accurate picture of your fertility. Ava Fertility typically identifies five out of the six most fertile days per cycle. And the best part, it's easy. With Ava Fertility, there's no need to wake up early to take your temperature or to remember to pee on a stick. Just wear the bracelet overnight and it will collect continuous data while you sleep. You simply sync with the app in the morning to see your fertility status in real time. Ava Fertility pinpoints your five best days to either try for a baby or use a barrier method as they're taking place. Ava is often advertised to folks who are trying to conceive, but I want to empower folks who want to avoid pregnancy to consider using it too. So maybe you've recently come off of birth control. Ava can be a wonderful way to get to know your own cycle monitor the ebbs and flows of your body, and take charge of your fertility without artificial hormones surging through your system. The Ava bracelet tracks physiological signs that act as markers for your fluctuating hormone levels. This allows it to detect, not simply predict, which phase of the menstrual cycle you're in. In addition to fertility tracking, Ava displays health parameters like your temperature, your sleep, your physiological stress, and your resting pulse rate, allowing you to see in real time, how adequate or inadequate sleep or stress levels can affect your fertility. Put your fertility data at your fingertips. Ava Fertilities provides an overview of your cycle's length, when you ovulate and your menstrual flow for the last 12 recorded cycles. You can download it directly from the app for yourself or for discussion with your healthcare provider. If you're trying to conceive and you become pregnant, you can continue using Ava fertility to follow your progress with graphs, trend analysis, and week by week content for the whole nine months. I used this when I became pregnant with my second, and it was by far my favorite pregnancy app. If you're interested in giving Ava a try. Visit the link in our show notes to begin taking charge of your fertility. Again, the link is in our show notes. Now back to our episode.
1: So when I when I got up, I had also called my mom because I, I hadn't talked to my family yet, and she's freaking out in her office. Oh my god! And I'm like, at that point, I was like really having to stop and I'll be like hold on mom and like breathe through the contraction and come back and she's like have you seen too close together I think she's so excited I'm like okay this is why I, I didn't call you earlier but yeah I I think it was about like seven o'clock 7 30 that you came over Casey and by then I was still in the shower because of course I was having trouble getting out of the shower at that point I think before you came over you had told Lindsay to call the the midwife line at the hospital and let them know, hey, we're going to be coming in at some point tonight. And they said, okay, so you're on your way. And Lindsay, no, 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 no. Like just letting you know she's in labor. We're going to be at home for a while. Like we'll be in at some point. Okay. So you're coming. We'll let them know you're on your way. "No, No, we're just letting you know. So, but yeah, Casey got there around, I think like seven. And I remember hearing her come in, come upstairs. Her and Lindsay were chatting out in the bedroom. And I remember being like, Mm, stop talking I did not say that but Casey's like hey how you doing how you feeling and I'm like just like yeah I'm yep yeah, I'm, I'm I'm doing it and I in my head I'm thinking holy crap like this is pretty intense and we still have a long 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 time to go in my head I was envisioning you know that we would be at our house with Casey for hours and hours and we'd be on the ball and we'd be on the bed and then in the shower and then in the bath. And I'd be walking up and down the stairs and eating multiple snacks and meals. And we I had a box full of all of the labor things um, to help with natural pain relief. And, and had...
2: 12,000
1: essential oils that will
2: come <laughs> back full circle in this story. Oh my
1: God. I had a list like, because my husband is a list guy of, okay, when labor starts, step one, this is what you do. Step two, this is what you do. And he asked for this. That list was a complete waste of time because he did not, Casey gets down like, Lindsay, where's the box? Get, bring the box up here. Bring the ball up here. I'm like in between contractions, trying to tell him what to do. And we had stopped timing the contractions at, at one point. And I hear Casey very calmly say to Lindsay, can you please start timing these again and and she asked me have they all been this close together and then I got sick again violently sick and Casey said well do you remember that that part of it Casey yeah yeah
2: I mean I think that we we only labored at home for like
1: hour
2: hour and a half like it like it wasn't we didn't leave but I remember when he threw up and when Lauren threw up she was uh, like leaning over on the bed and I was doing counter pressure on her sacrum and I had been doing these for like a few contractions and I could feel how strong they were like by pressing on her sacrum like I felt how powerful the contractions were and when she threw up I felt like I summed not with everybody and like not in every labor and sometimes though you can sort of get an idea of where a baby is in a body by looking and feeling on someone's back, just like by touching a lot of backs. And I was like, oh, this bambino is nice and low. Like she's throwing up. They're so strong. And I just really felt that the next thing that would happen would be that her water broke. And then I really felt like, I mean, my internal dialogue was like, there's definitely still cervix, but like we're really moving through labor. And once that bag of water does what it's going to do here, the rest of that cervix is just going to move out of the way. And so like, we are in Springfield. We are trying to get to GW. We do have, this was a year ago. Like we still needed to wait the 90 minutes for a COVID test. Like no one hires a doula unless they don't want a doula to do it. If they want a doula to do it, be at their birth. So right. Like we're taking, like my mental math was like transportation hard to move ladies in labor, COVID test, bag of water. When's that going to do what it's going to do? Nice and low baby. Like I was like, okay, like, I don't think that we're going to have a baby really fast, but I do think we are going to get to a spot soon where things might change really quickly and we should get going.
1: Yeah. I mean, Casey just has this very, she stays very calm, but I could tell what, what how she was talking. I was like, oh, she said, okay, I think it's time to go. And I was like, well, I'm not finished packing. She was like, okay, what do we need to do to help you finish packing? Because I had planned like, oh, GW gives you this awesome packet of things you should do in early labor, like bake lactation cookies. And I was planning on having a glass of wine. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to purposely not finish packing because that'll give me something to do and move around and focus on. Well, I did such a good job of ignoring labor throughout the day that I then was unprepared. And I was like, Oh, I need, I need my essential oils. And Casey was like, which ones I was like,
2: well, while she was sitting on the toilet, and the contractions were bigger and bigger and bigger. And you weren't quite grunky, which is like grunty is things that people do like before they start to really start to push. But like you were on the precipice of that and you're just parked on the toilet talking about how you wanted your essential oils. And we had a 35 to 40 minute drive plus a 90 minute COVID test. My internal dialogue was like, you are not going to use your essential oils. That I would <laughs> put them
1: all in a bag like, I was like I just wanted these two ones but I could not communicate at that point what which ones I wanted so I didn't see it until we got to the hospital and of course after the birth because spoiler alert like Casey said did not use a single one she brought my entire box of like 20 essential oils and I was like dying laughing but yeah, she was like, okay, let's get this stuff together. And and we we left for the hospital around 8:30 or 820. And I was really nervous about that ride because everyone says it's so, so awful. And I I mean, from what I remember at least, I feel like my contractions kind of stalled out a little bit during that. I mean, I definitely had a few, but it was it was not as awful as I had expected. I was on I was in the back seat, kind of doing a weird hovering, one butt cheek on the seat, holding on to the the bat, the the driver's seat type of situation. We were all set up in there with everything, just in case needed to get sick or water broke or whatever. But as soon as we got to the hospital, uh, my water did break. Like in, we pulled up in GW has a, a valet area, Lindsay basically blocked the whole driveway, left the car out there because Casey was going to come behind us and move the car into the parking garage for us. And so my water broke literally as soon as we got to the hospital and it was not like the huge gush or anything, but I, I definitely felt something. Casey had told me, they're going to offer you a wheelchair and you're going to say no. So I walked myself in and somebody was holding the elevator as I had a contraction. And I was like, Oh, and they were like looking at me like, come on, what are you doing? And I was like standing there leaning over my suitcase and just like, oh, like pushed myself into the elevator. And thank goodness for that rolling suitcase. Cause I used that to lean over and we got in to check in and it was so quiet. Everyone was talking in, in really quiet voices, like so opposite of what I expected and what you see on TV, this hustle bustle, stressful environment, people rushing around and or being rude. And I've heard so many stories of people, oh, this person's not in labor. Maybe I was at the point where it was kind of undeniable. They were like, why don't you head on back? The nurses, like two or three nurses came out to escort me back. I was stopping like multiple times on the very short walk to the room and they did counter pressure for me and not standing in the hallway. And it was, I mean, we just got the dream team. Like it was also a, I guess, very just total luck that it was a very quiet night at the hospital. I ended up getting Caitlin as my midwife the midwife that we had met with the day before at the appointment that we absolutely loved. They had told me that we will, they said, I'll be on call on Wednesday or Saturday. So if you want to have a baby on either of those days, like those are your options. And I said, Casey, like we got to make this work. And sure enough, we got Caitlin that on Wednesday And we were also lucky because we got to kind of go, go straight back into labor and delivery and took a a little while. I heard Casey was FaceTiming with us while she was waiting until she had the all clear to come up. Luckily, because I had been sick, I had just gotten a COVID test term and they were able to use that. And I remember saying, Casey, what are you doing? Like, why, why aren't you in here? And she was like, oh, I, I don't think I'm allowed to come up yet. And I was like, is she allowed to come up yet? Please get her in
2: here. Waiting for, I think we are just now finally at a point where doulas aren't waiting for COVID tests to come back. I mean, it was better than nothing, but like that time where you were away from people was really hard. Like, especially when you were laboring at home with them and then getting them to the hospital in pretty active labor, like you just took their support away. Like, I mean, and I understand, you know, community health is really important and COVID is serious. But yeah, that was, it was rough. And yeah, Lauren was like, can she come up now? I have a COVID test.
1: Yeah. And they were like, oh, do you have a, a copy of the test? And I was like, yes, it's on my phone. And Lindsay was like, oh my God, because I always give him a really hard time that he can't remember like passwords and he's asked a million times what the password is to my phone. And he was like, if I ask her the password to her phone right now, I might die. And funny enough how that pressure somehow he remembered it and was able to find what he needed. And we were able to bypass the COVID test, which I was definitely like stressed about having to wait for that. So that was great in case he was able to come up and The benefit of meeting with Caitlin the day before was that I had already discussed some of my birth preferences, but like I mentioned earlier, because I moved to GW and the way that they practice, that they're just like standard practice and standard care was, was everything that I, that I wanted. And it wasn't going to be something that I had to like fight for. I think I did maybe remind them, or Caitlin might have even said, Okay, so I know that you want an unmedicated birth and no interventions. And I think I don't even remember like sitting there. I had written out this long, not long, but birth plan, like everyone tells you to do, didn't bring it, didn't bring any affirmations, which I wouldn't have seen anyways because my eyes were closed the whole time. But I, What I wanted just kind of like happened. Minus the essential oils, that didn't happen, but I didn't need that. But we had the lights out and Casey strung up twinkle lights and their monitors were not on. People were talking in quiet voices or really didn't talk at all. There was very little communication or forced communication with me or to me. If anyone needed to talk to me or ask me a question, it was a whisper and it would be Casey would say, Lauren, can you hear my voice? And I would maybe just give like a motion or say yes. And then whatever she needed to tell me, I thought I was going to be doing all the movements. And I did so many birth prep exercises on the ball, on the floor, all this different stuff. And I thought I was going to be doing that all throughout labor to keep things going. But I was very much a like, so in the zone and just was trying to focus so much on my breathing and relaxing my body that I I would have probably stayed in the same position the entire time. I was on hands and knees a lot, which I think probably felt the best to me. So if it wasn't for Casey, I mean, I'll say making me, but in a good way, making me switch positions every 30 minutes I guess it probably was I would not have done it. We were
2: only at the hospital for about two hours before Lauren started spontaneously pushing yeah and so then at that point Katie did a cervical check to just double check that all the cervix was gone and it was so like great like how about it and And yeah, it was every 30 minutes we moved and we did, we also spent a ton of time on that toilet. Uh. But the thing that I think, the thing that I think is just so interesting about Lauren who like has seen her birth, which she did so beautifully, is that most of the time when people are in that kind of labor, if you ask them to do something, they want to take you out at the knees. Like. I mean, people will do it because they trust their team and they will sometimes follow their team off a cliff if necessary. But but there was, I don't know what your internal dialogue was, but outwardly, I would be like, okay, it's time to uh, switch sides. It's time to go to the toilet. It's time to put this leg up instead of this leg. And you were always like, okay, okay. Like there was, you were just so game for everything. Like the level that you... Were just in your birth was so wonderful to observe.
1: Yeah, internally definitely was like, oh my god, no, I do not want to go back to that freaking toilet. Like, not fun. Well, really, it was the the walk there and the walk back. And Casey would tell me every time, okay, in. Into contractions, we are going to do this. So she would let me start mentally preparing. And then she would say the contraction after we move is going to feel more intense. So like she was preparing me and letting me know, like helping me know everything that I was feeling was gonna was expected and normal, which I think is like the biggest thing for unmedicated labor, is that people always say, Oh, you have to have really high pain tolerance, or I couldn't do that because I don't have a high pain tolerance. And It's a different type of pain mentally knowing that why it's happening and under, and that's why also the education is so important of like knowing like what you're feeling, where you're at and how to help yourself manage it is, is that's really, you, you have to have that. So yeah. So we, we were, like Casey said, about two hours there, which felt like 10 minutes I started pushing. and. But like maybe another 30 minutes later, Caitlin comes up to my ear and says, okay, so it has been two hours. And I think that was the first time that I opened my eyes and like, like swiveled my head at them and looked and, and said, what? Like, no way. There's absolutely no way that I've been pushing for two hours. Like literally felt like maybe 30 minutes. And I was like, okay. And they said, hospital policy, we need to update the OB on call. I don't see any reason why we can't continue. You're making progress. You're doing fine. Baby's doing fine, but I do have to inform them and just let them know. So they went, did that, came back and said, yep, OB is totally comfortable with you continuing. So we continue on. They come up to my ear again. Okay. It's been three hours. And at that point I'm like, what? Okay. And they said, we have to update them again. What normally happens is they will come in the room and just want to have a discussion with you about some options. And if you do end up needing some help, what that would look like. And I said, do do I have to? And and throughout the entire thing, every little thing Caitlin would say, even at the beginning, like just anything that she that they were suggesting would, would kind of like phrase, just remember you have a choice or asking, can I do this? Is it okay if I do this? It's up to you. Like always making me feel like I was in control and never making me feel pressured, which that just lays like such a foundation of trust where then if something does need to happen, you don't feel like they're doing it just because they want to push it on you and that's the policy and that they're just going to do it because it's more convenient for them.
2: But that did happen because Lauren and Lindsay chose not to move forward with the saline port, like the IV lock during check-in and through labor and it was part of their plan. And then after about two hours of pushing, Katie did say like, listen, like, are you open to, to having this conversation again? Because some of your risk factors as to why we would need to utilize it have changed. And I, as a provider, feel most comfortable if we
1: talk about having it now.
2: And at that point, Lauren was like, sure.
1: i like, I'm down. Like Last thing I cared about at that yeah, point. I, for um, some reason, those things freaked me out and I did not yeah. want it. But yeah, at that point, I was like, yeah, sure.
2: But like, and at that point, you were on the toilet and so the nurse placed it on the toilet and but you were laboring on the toilet with all the light or you were pushing on the toilet with all the lights off but they need light to put in, put a needle in like to put the port in and so we covered your eyes with a washcloth so we could turn the lights on so they could put it in and I I had no idea that Lindsay was not great with blood and like bless that poor nurse who like oh my gosh like she was really she was being so wonderful like placing this port while someone is pushing on the toilet trying to do it in between contractions every two to three minutes and yeah there was a little bit of blood that got sort of out and I think that was the point where Lindsay was like case like you gotta like I gotta get some water or some fresh air or something and he was I mean Lindsay was like he was such a good support person like he was game for everything he was in there with like every kind of counter pressure every kind of position change every type of water and nutritional need I mean he was after you he was the MVP of this process (sighs)
1: Well, he was super jealous that he, that we were doing this. And he was like, what about me? Like, I'm, it's my birth story too. And what about like my perspective? And I think, I mean, he is just. We shouldn't have- had him
0: on here. We can have him for another episode.
1: Yeah, you could do a partner like episode, but he would he would have stolen the show because he is a goofball. But he is just like so supportive. Never questioned what I wanted or needed, like through wanting to work with midwives and having an unmedicated birth and hiring a doula. And he got educated on a lot of this stuff as well. So I think he he has said having a doula like allowed him to just be present and support me in a way that he wouldn't have been able to do if if he had to worry about everything. Casey would remind him, "Hey, she probably needs some water," or "Hey, can you grab her a snack?" and he was literally by my side uh, holding a a stroller fan and cool washcloth on my neck or back which like seriously was the best thing ever. I highly recommend that everyone put the, a stroller fan in their hospital bag unmedicated or not. And he wouldn't have been able to be as present if if he had to be worrying about everything else, especially if we had not moved practices and had to be worried about every little thing that the nurses and team were doing and questioning things and fighting for me. So that just made both of our experiences so much better by I mean, and I'm, he
2: wore a really cute short shirt oh, yeah. purchased by lauren that said baby daddy on it isn't that the way that you told him that you were pregnant yeah or her Aww. yeah so it was like a very like cute full circle moment minus my joey
1: confusion. yeah yeah um, he, was,
2: he was really yeah he just like i mean he could be a professional birth worker
1: he he probably would be really great at that actually But yeah, so at that three hour mark, when Caitlin said the the OB is probably going to want to come in and have a chat with you. And I said, I, I, I think all I said was, do I have to, and I said, I can't maybe, I don't even know if I vocalized that. And it was not that I was not open to, to doing that or that I was resistant against it or didn't like trust the OB to come in and, and tell me what my options were. I was like, I cannot physically have a conversation. I think I even said that to Caitlin. I was like, I, I, I can't talk right now. I can't listen and answer questions. So that was all I had to say. And no one ever came in the room. Like, I really think if someone had come in and there had been like a disturbance to the bubble that we had created in there, and I had to really break my focus, that that would have been really bad for me. I, even after three hours, like I still, I felt okay. I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm I'm so exhausted. In my head, I was not vocalizing anything, but I was thinking, Okay, so I see why people maybe don't want to do this. Like this is this is hard. Not that I ever thought it wasn't gonna be hard, like at all, but I was thinking, oh my God, like what is taking so long? I'm also not the most patient person. And I like, I don't know, had this envision like maybe I'm gonna be one of those people that's gonna go in and just my baby's gonna be bored so quickly. I I had the plan of like breathing my baby out and very gently, I'm not gonna bear down, I'm not gonna hold my breath. And I think that part of that, not that I regret doing that for a while, but that's potentially what ended up maybe prolonging it a little bit, the pushing phase. We ended up pushing for five hours, um, which again, I could have kept going. I did not know it had been that long. I was not saying I can't do this. I don't think I was thinking I can't do this anymore, but I was thinking what the heck is taking so long? Like what's going on? After all of this, is this not going to end up working out? And like right around, I I wouldn't even vocalize this. And Casey was always standing kind of to my side, to the back, saying, "What you're doing is working." She never said, "Oh, your baby's almost here." You're oh, it's gonna soon, da da da. Because that would have just pissed me off. It's like in a workout class where they say one more, and then they're like, "Oh, just kidding, ten more." Like okay, now I ha- don't trust you at all, and I'm just mad. I. She she said you you're doing hard work and and your your baby is is coming down like you're making progress and what you're doing is working we just need to keep doing this and one of the things I felt strongly about was not laboring or laboring or pushing on my back but we had tried most positions times at that point and Caitlin suggested doing a position called tug of war which i had not heard of but you basically utilize a birth bar push bar what's it called casey birth bar, birth bar. For,
0: yeah birth
1: bar yeah I'm sometimes
0: sorry. they call them squat bars oh
2: Squap, yeah, yeah. that's it no 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 that's that's the real name the this is this a bar name. class or everyone would everyone knows labor bar squat bar push bar
1: tomato tomato yeah <laughs> so they said I know you don't want to be on your back, but we would like you to try this position if you're, if you're open to it, key, if you're open to it, where we're going to put this bar and we're going to tie a sheet to the top and you will use your, your arms and your upper body to like pull against the sheet to kind of give yourself some extra power and your feet, my feet were up on either side of the bar. And again, I completely trusted the team at this point. Well, I mean, before I even went in, but I, I trusted them and I was willing to pretty much try anything to, to, to bring this home. So I, we ended up doing that and I was trying to look at some of the photos that were taken for the timeline, how long I pushed in that position, but that ended up being the position that Cameron was born And I, I wasn't sure about the mirror thing, but they said, do you want the mirror? We think it would be really helpful. And it definitely was helpful being able to see, because even before we went to that, when I was the position before that, we were on the toilet and they said, we can see his head. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like it was really weird. The sensation what I was expecting, I felt so much pressure more in the rear than in like my actual vagina. Like I didn't feel him in there. And I was like, I thought it would feel like a freaking something just coming through there. Like so obvious. And that's not where I was feeling it. So I was like, there's no way that you guys can see his head. And we've been doing this for so long. You're asking me to move somewhere else. So obviously this isn't working, but probably getting up and walking over there in itself helped throughout this whole time. Well, once we started pushing using the the tug of war method, the tone in the room kind of started shifting. And I think it's because like I made enough progress at that point that he was actually starting to crown. And the nurses did not leave the room. I mean, I know this was a, that is not normal. We, like I said, were so lucky that we had this super quiet night. They were in the room the whole time. Lynn was in the room most of the time. And of course, Casey was there the whole time and, and Lindsay, but I just had this like amazing support team that was just there. They never once made me feel rushed. They never once made me feel pressured or like I was doing anything wrong or like that, that we needed to move things along. Never once said, do you want to consider an epidural? Or do you, you know, they knew what I wanted and they just, like Casey said earlier just kind of like let me do my thing with the support of Casey and Caitlin getting me to move into different positions through throughout
2: I think what was so interesting was that yeah I mean you pushed for five hours <laughs> like it was a lot like I mean that that's a that's a real chunk of time. And I mean you were great the whole time and like very, very evident that you are an incredibly physically and mentally strong person. And there was this moment after he was born because you did end up delivering on your back yeah. where I was like, Oh man, like I know that this really isn't what she wanted. Like she really didn't want to deliver on her back. And I I tell people all the time, like if you put yourself on your back like it is fine like and also like delivering on your back is not the devil like it is not the worst thing that can happen but as a doula you don't really know how people are going to perceive things and and we did we asked you if you wanted to be on your back and but so like we suggested that and then there was no like sort of stereotypical internal exam somebody counting to 10 and saying hold your breath like none of that none of that crap happened but there was some very real like now think about think about how long you're holding that Mm -hmm. try to like really move your baby down with you know for as long as you can and then try to move your baby down even further the next time you take a deep breath right like there were these like nods to directed pushing, which, like, I think is awesome, right? Like, in five hours, you try it all. We had we had pushed in every position that I, I could think of, and I think every position Caitlin could think of. And, yeah, and so then we tried another option, right? And it's just an option that, like, people have really strong opinions about, but it was the option that worked best. And I told Lauren that I felt like she got directed pushing midwifery edition right right. like like no one was like counting or being wild but yeah there were real nods to like let's try to really hold your baby down but it was just bananas like once you got in that position it was like oh yeah like we're gonna be out of here lickety split like this baby is coming out the way that we had hoped that he came out so, yeah, that was like, that was what was going through my mind was like, oh, this is the one that's working the best. But I knew she, I, it's not that I knew that you really didn't want that. It's just that I knew that like you had really hoped that you would give birth in a different way. So, that was what was going through my mind.
1: Yeah. And I think like the biggest reason for like wanting to avoid that was I was really nervous about tearing. I was more nervous about, the postpartum healing than I was about like the actual birth. So and I still stand by that for sure. So I that that was a big reason why that that I was nervous about about that position. But yeah, we were like, let's I'm I trust them. I'm willing to try it. And yeah, that coaching, I mean I think of it, I don't know why coached pushing necessarily has to have a negative connotation because having professionals that know what they're doing and see something that I could be doing differently that I I had been we had been trying for hours different things so it was extremely helpful and ended up being productive. So Lindsay moved down to the bottom of the bed and and which was something he was also not planning on doing but He went down there and when him saying, yeah, like I can see his head and we have a a really cool picture of Lindsay touching his head, like Lindsay was the first person that got to touch him as he was crowning. And it was just, I don't know, like the energy in the room, just, I feel like that was the first time I had opened my eyes and in between contractions, which maybe they weren't, but it felt like there was more time in between them. Like we were chatting, we were kind of like, people were joking. Like, I think, cause it was like, okay, yeah, we're, we're, this is, this is, we've reached the, the finish line here almost. So people, the nurses were, were like saying how they've never seen a baby that didn't have a single D cell uh, that long of a pushing phase. And that he was just like happy as could be, even though he was smashed for so long so he um, had a pretty long noggin I
2: can
0: imagine
1: yeah, it was ridiculous. He looked like an alien for a, a while, but yeah, Lindsay got to catch him, which I think is also a really, really like unique and special experience. That that and then and got to bring him up to me. His I think the cord was wrapped around his neck once, which I do want to mention. Like everyone talks about that, and I see people post or in movies and TV, like oh the the cords wrapped around their neck. There they could have died or this. This is an emergency and it's like, I think I I've learned about it a little bit before, but it's, it's so much more common than people know about and that it's really most of the time, not that big of a deal. And Caitlin quickly slipped it over with their finger and it just, all of a sudden he was there. Even after five hours pushing, it just felt like this, that like birth la la land you're in, like that there's no concept of time. It was crazy. I didn't even realize it had been five hours until after they were wheeling me into postpartum and and the nurses were like, I think I said something about four hours and they were like, no, it was five. You need to give yourself your full credit. But Casey was there after to we, we did delayed cord clamping. They let us feel the cord and feel for it to stop pulsing, which was so cool. Caitlin did ask if it was okay if they did some Pitocin after, not because they were concerned with the placenta being born, but more so just because of how long I had pushed and the increased chance of postpartum hemorrhage. And I, I asked them, I said, do do you think that I need it? And they said, it would be my preference. And I said, sure. And we just, I said, can can we do just a a shot? I don't want an IV for some reason that seems less invasive to me. So we did shot in the leg. Placenta came out fine. We got to see the placenta and skin to skin time. And Casey helped us establish His first latch, which was something that I was also really nervous about just because I have seen almost every single person I know really struggle with breastfeeding, whether it be pain or in trouble with latching or supply issues. And I was just like, I can't imagine dealing with that on top of everything else. So before the birth, I actually took a class on establishing a pain-free latch And that also really, really helped. But having Casey there, somebody that I trusted to help me do that was super, super helpful because I've heard a lot of people that have had, whether it's nurses that have different experience or views or even hospital lactation consultants, or maybe you don't even get to see one because they're depending on the time or a couple of days goes by and then the damage is done to your nipples at that point, once you get to see somebody. So having that support right away, I just feel like set us up for a really good breastfeeding journey and experience. So I was just On Cloud Nine, I had that instant love and connection feeling. I know not everyone has that right away. And that's totally fine and normal. And I think that's something that people don't talk about. But we did have that. I just I and there's a a quick video clip that Casey took where I'm saying, I just can't believe he's real. Like he was there on my chest. And still I was like, I can't believe this just happened and he's ours i've spent my poor little brother i've acted like his second mom his whole life i babysat as early as i could i have nieces and nephews that i have just been obsessed over and finally getting to have my own baby that was here it was just i still i still honestly can't believe it still can't believe i was pregnant and it's been a year
0: like a lifelong dream fulfilled for you
1: yeah completely and also
2: i want to summarize because i i know i know that lauren works really really hard to be compassionate and empathetic towards the fact that not everyone has the birth story that they want so i i want to take a second to like really celebrate her Because here was this person who contacted me at 30 weeks pregnant and said, my current provider is telling me that I probably need an induction, if not a C-section, because my baby's going to be enormous. And I really want to do this by myself, like without an epidural. And there we were with spontaneous labor and no epidural and pushed for five hours and lauren please
1: tell the world how big your baby is because i mean he's still he's still a pretty decent sized kid yeah he was nine pounds and 22 and a half inches long and Woo-hoo! like casey's head a massive head so
2: well so, yeah, a long like, head. he was a big kid like this isn't one of those stories of someone being told that they're growing a giant baby and it comes out at six pounds like that ultrasound was probably right. Um, yeah. You were a little bit of the population of people where the numbers are right. So yes, you did have a really big baby. And I mean, we can debate whether or not nine and in Change is a big baby, but you had a big baby. You are, you're not a large person and you, you did it and you birthed your baby just fine and just beautifully and without any sort of wild intervention the wildest intervention that you had was a doula and a midwife saying try to hold your baby down as long as you can during this push and try some tug of war like you yeah, should be really I, proud of the story that you have you worked really hard for that
1: thank you so Absolutely. much yeah i uh, it was it was an awesome experience and i know and Casey and i have talked about this many times that if we had not switched providers there is absolutely no way that the birth would have gone the same way. I would have ended up with a C-section mm-hmm. because they, they would not have, I would doubt that they would have let me go past two hours, but three I think probably would have been the absolute cutoff if if I had even been able to fight them to let me go past 41 weeks because most providers, that's their cutoff. And that was a big draw for me of moving to GW is that they not only say that you can, which I hate to say like can or allow, but that they they want you to commit to waiting till 42 weeks for labor to come on spontaneously. And that but still some of it was still luck. We got the most perfect midwife for what we wanted and what I needed. And we also, whatever the OB that was happened to be on call that night, I know that Caitlin mentioned was also really supportive. And if there had been an OB that maybe had different views that maybe things would have ended up going a little bit differently. So the biggest thing is that, that I learned from Casey is when people say oh, birth and labor is out of your control, you can't control it. You just have to go with the flow. Like I hate when people say that because there's so much more you can control than you realize like, yes, of course, there are so many things that that can happen that you can't be so rigid of like, this is how it's going to happen. And this is my exact plan. The biggest thing you can control is the team that you hire and the place that you that you're going to give birth. looking at a hospital's c-section rate and the hospital that I would have given birth at had a significantly higher rate than where we moved so that that is like the biggest thing that you can control and then educating yourself and knowing what your options are and taking an active role in everything and not just saying oh I'm just gonna hand this over and let these providers do whatever they want to do and kind of just blindly trust them you want to have trust in your team but that trust to me needs to be earned. Um,
0: Absolutely. And I know you did a lot of research preparing for your birth. Were there any resources that were particularly helpful for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I started with just listening to positive birth stories. I think the first podcast I listened to was Built to Birth. And then started listening to like The Birth Hour and then kind of moved on to more educational podcasts like Evidence-Based Birth, Down to Birth, and My Essential Birth, where they're really talking about, you can ask your provider, red flags for providers, different options talking about medicated and unmedicated and risks and benefits on both sides. I tried to find podcasts that weren't really too biased one side or the other until I figured out what it was that I wanted to do. And then that was really like what I tried to focus on and tried to block out more of the, the negative and fear-based stuff because we get plenty of that through society and media. And I mean, through people we know too, unfortunately, like people tend to share traumatic and negative things more often and make it seem like that's something that's most likely could or will happen to you too.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, um, like society-wise pregnant people, people think they're a dumping ground for your trauma. <laughs> it's not fair. Yeah.
2: Maybe it was like three, four. It was it wasn't immediate postpartum because Lauren was my last client of 2021. But it was sometime in early 2022. So like some of the rainbow effect had worn off a little bit, right? Like she was really in like the thick of it. And I posted that I was on my way to a birth in on my Instagram, and she commented and like she DM'd me and said, "I'm so jealous that I'm not in labor again." Like <laughs> she loved it. Like <laughs> in a different world, in a different time, like you would be a birth worker. But you, I mean, you loved you loved giving birth. And I think that that's that is a story. You know, we we're just so saturated with people saying that it's a horrible experience, and like you loved it, like. I mean, I know it was, it was really, really hard, but you felt so good about going through it. And I just think that that is a story that needs to be amplified. Yeah, you can like giving birth. That's yeah. a good thing. And it's yeah. not like I was there
1: like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> this feels great. Like, oh my God. I mean, yeah. no, not at all. But yeah, it was a life-changing experience and something that I... I am very proud of, and that I like Casey's told me a few times, like you did everything that you could to achieve that birth. I did so much, maybe too much research and, and education. And I was doing chiropractic care. I was doing acupuncture. I was doing exercises. I was eating and a, a, a diet to help, and you can still do all those things, and it doesn't mean that like everything is gonna end up exactly how you want. But it felt good that hearing from a lot of people, oh, you you can't control things, or. Oh, why would you want to do it like this? Or why you don't you want to work with a doctor? Because what if something goes wrong? It's like, well, it Casey. I think it was our last meeting that we had before the birth that she said, "I want you to think about like what your why is. Like it could be anything." And for me, and I, I was like, what, what, like, yeah, why did I start to want to do this? Like, why did I want to have it unmitigated? birth. And I think a big piece of it was like, well, because I can like why, like I, I trust and, and I'm very confident in my body that I can do this. And then when people start telling me, Oh, you can't, or I don't know, that just like fueled my fire, like watch me. And yeah, we did it.
0: You did it. It's amazing. Like I, I'm so inspired by this story. And actually I have a client right now who's in her window that I think would really benefit from hearing this. So I'm going to probably share this with her as soon as we're done.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, Casey, you are so active on your social media. I am obsessed with your Instagram stories. Uh, They're so informative. They are so concise and clear and just tell it how it is anyone who's pregnant should follow you where can our listeners find you
2: thank you so much man and i love that little gram. i love it so much my instagram handle is tips from a doula
0: tips from a doula yeah yeah and there's a lot it's like daily information all of it fantastic Tips I could talk
2: about how baby. I could talk about how babies were born until my feet fell off, and so that Instagram account gives me the ability to like talk about the thing I love to people who are like looking forward to it. For I tell all my clients to follow you. Thank you so much. I didn't yeah. know that. Thank you. I, really I do appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I would say Casey's Instagram is like the most informative account that you could follow. Mm -hmm. Um, And I keep telling her, I'm like, how do we get this to blow up? Because everyone needs this information because it is, like I said before, it's, it's evidence-based information and she cites where she gets the information from and she shares studies. It's not just like these kind of like theories or beliefs. Well, it's the
0: way you share it too. It's, It's, it's shared in a way that is very logical and easy to understand
2: thank you so much both of you are so nice and also like thanks to lauren for talking about her birth on a podcast with her doula and also like thanks for hiring me like you didn't have to hire me I'd, you would have I, been, I been just fine without a doula like you have got you have got some big lady balls you are <laughs> really you've got a lot of you've got a lot of like hooks like you are a you were a force and everybody should have a doula that wants one, but like you would have been okay. And I, I think it was just, it was a real honor to support you. And also like to have continued to talk to you over the last like year or so like you, yeah. Sometimes when people hire doulas, maybe a little bit later, even though I know some people don't, you hired a doula when a lot of people hire a doula. I just usually took clients much earlier. Yeah. Sometimes, it's not always a great fit when it's like around that 30 week mark. And that wasn't the case at all. And I feel, I feel really honored that you and Lindsay invited me into your story and like, let me play a small role in helping your son be born because he's super cool.
1: He is super cool, but no, you are, downplaying the role that you've not only had in, in the birth, but yeah, in our lives, like the the support that having, when I was at the pediatrician at Cam's first doctor's appointment and the doctor accidentally ripped his umbilical cord stump off, I didn't call another doctor. I, I, I text Casey, Casey, this just happened. Is it like, what do I do? This is, I don't think this is normal. Like, Casey came over to see us and we debriefed. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm constantly messaging her and asking her still questions about the birth and, or just about birth in general. And yeah, I'm, I am, I'm jealous of her that she gets to live in this amazing, powerful, cool world of birth and maybe in a, yeah. Well, we need more doulas
0: in the world. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. oh my social media, you can connect with me on Instagram. My account is better with underscore bacon. And I would love to talk to anyone about Earth. I am happy to share resources and just chat with people.
0: Yeah. Thank you for being so open and willing to share and also opening up your DMs to our listeners. I hope they take advantage. And it was so great to have this conversation and chat with both of you and get your perspectives I would love to hear Lindsay's perspective yeah yeah we'll get Lindsay on another episode yeah well thanks again for coming on guys thanks so much have a great day Thanks so much to Lauren and Casey for sharing their story with us. It was so awesome to hear. I enjoyed this conversation so much, and I hope you did too. You can find links to all of the resources that we talked about today in our show notes. And don't forget to visit the link in our show notes to register for our signature webinar, Preparing for a Smooth Postpartum on February 21st. I hope to see you there. And join us next time. As we meet Dr. Erica Statman, the owner and chief physician of Maimonides Chiropractic since 1998. Dr. Erica has always embraced family care and particularly enjoys caring for children and pregnant women. She specializes in pediatrics, prenatal chiropractic, postpartum chiropractic care, newborn evaluation, and management. She is also active as a lecturer to birth care professionals on the subject of the benefits of chiropractic care for pregnant women. Together, we will discuss chiropractic care at first in general. So what is it? What are the benefits? Who can benefit from it? And then we begin to debunk some of the general misunderstandings that have developed about this healing modality. We then move on to discuss chiropractic care in the context of her specialty, pregnant women and children, and what constitutes a good care provider in any discipline. I've been a patient of Dr. Erica's for about two and a half years now, and I was thrilled to finally have the opportunity to ask her questions about her work that I have been dying to ask since I met her. I enjoyed this discussion and I know you will too. If you like what you hear, feel free to follow, like, and share this podcast with anyone you feel may benefit. We have a great community on Instagram and Facebook at Our Village Circle, and our website is www.ourvillagecircle.com. Until next time, bye-bye.